You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. never gonna get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> what's up, what's up, you hoes? Hey we back in this bitch. Live, once again, from Ronatine, as we approach the season goddamn fucking finale. Killing Eve. We're fucking yeah, here. We are. This we're, is we're here. This is this everything. Is open, right? And you know, depending on how jaunty Saturday gets, how jaunty Sunday gets. We're together. <laughs> you might know my heart goes. You might be able to get this uh, just before all the nonsense, but maybe not. Well, we're going to try to have it up before the episode is about to air, but we don't really know at this time. TBD! It's been a very busy, ridiculous week, and people have been turning up in all kinds of ways, deservedly, and so shit has been hectic, you guys. But what is also hectic is our feelings, our emotions, our anticipations, our nerves for what we're going to get this fucking Sunday. We will know what was done, what has been done. If there was a christening, we will know. Wow. 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 Whenever you hear this, life will be about to change. Oh. To change completely oh, yeah. for us villainy fans. Uh, you know, navigating the minefield. Navigating the minefield that is social media because I'm trying my best not to get any, oh, extra advert, extra clip, extra, like, I have a clip. I have a press oh, play yeah, on I anything. We've not really been around online. Right. Maybe you guys have noticed. And that is purposeful because we already got hit with enough spoilers. Of which we will be musing on today, but no more no spoilers. More. Because no. Hike. And technically, <laughs> Hike can mean whatever you want it to mean. So, Hike means no spoilers right. in this Hike instance. Today, right. Means no spoilers. Absolutely no. And we chose this song. I don't know if we said because we were in dispute over right. what so. song and vibe <laughs> we should come in for Villainese. And it took us two hours. Two hours. And then we still didn't come to a consensus. Yeah. And so Hike is the middle ground because it's just sort of like, Hike says, well, I really like you. I think I really, really like you. And that is definitely Villainese. And so we came into Hike by the Brazilian girls because a little bit of a neutral ground. And so, yeah, there it is. But we are going to just throw it on y'all later what our original Jones were. And you'll see just how different the vibes were, which right, is why exactly. it took two hours to come to no decisions, right. actually. So we got what in the books, the penultimate episode. We had saw some rises. We saw some falls. Yes. We, <laughs> we saw... I mean, we saw rises and falls and rises again because I thought Dasha fell for good. I thought Constantine mm. fell for good. And mm. Killing Eve was like, no hope. No one's fallen. No one. Yeah, so they both are, you know, they're, they're down but not out. I really, really like you. And then we saw some rises. We saw the rise of Irina. We saw the rise. <laughs> we saw the rise. We did. Uh, we really did. I mean, dark I don't know why. Darky rising. I mean, I'm, I'm happy we are all now watching all together the same series because other people just didn't know what was going on. And I'm happy that they have some inclination. So welcome. 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 We got, oh, we got a uh, John T. Joe. Fucking Lady in Red. Oh, we and got I've been screaming to you privately and just anyone who will listen about how my villanelle is getting punked out here by every other bitch in the 12. And I just, I needed to stop. Like, it was cute in a moment, 
It was cute when she was just trying to get her bearings, but it's I'm done laughing, and I need for Rianne and the Highwaters to respect, put some respect on Villanelle's name before the series is done. And if that requires her dying by Villanelle or Eve's hand while Villanelle watches, I'm good with that. In fact, I think I need it. I know I want it, but I think I actually really, 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 really need it, you guys. You, you get like that random head nod, like as the last bit of life forces shaking oh, out to be like, lock yeah. eyes to be like, I see, I see you, I see you, right? I see you got the juice now, right? Exactly. You. Yes. I wonder if that can be like a, a come on or flirt with another savagely inclined lady on the darkness. I see darkness in you. I mean, I mean you might, you might get told off potentially yeah. ignored who knows dasha probably or, was trying to give a head nod to eve which her her chest was too busy caving in that she <laughs> it I, was not effective i think eve was in dasha's dreams her subconscious the oh. mini coma she was in for mm-hmm. that time until someone found her and that's, those are the questions that kind of need answers will we get them we don't know but who found dasha did she just wake up and roll herself to the thing or was it the cops that found her and if it was the cops don't they have questions for you dasha know, it was definitely dasha, the, where's your passport it was the chubby guy and, and that uh, Good Samaritan uh, Lyft driver, whatever they got in uh, Scotland. And he definitely made him call the police and said, yes, this beautiful woman clubbed her mother. But then how do you snap the rim? Yeah, that was that's a lot to try to sort through. Well, wow. I don't know that he stuck around for all that. I think that he was trying to get the hell out of Dodge and the hell out of Scotland. He was like, oh, I've true. seen all I need to see. I will not be going out to golf again. I'm checking out. I think he returned to his hotel. He was like checking out. They're like, do you need your stuff? He was like, no, mail it. Um, <laughs> goodbye. My flight leaves in 20 minutes. And that was probably a good idea. He's traumatized, but, you know, hey, it's kind of what he deserves. Right. It is what it is. Oof. And then poor Constantine. No W's to be seen. <laughs> no W's. Well, the I W is he's still breathing. He yeah. has a W. The, his breath, his life, <laughs> his ability to sit and giggle still, even though he should definitely totally be dead since not a single person performed a solitary chest compression a, a chest pump a cpr no one did any of that but constantine lived and not only that he has lived without brain damage somehow and well killing eve science same way villanelle can swing her arm same way eve's gunshot took her six months to recover but constantine's gunshot yeah, took him know, a week right? if that a week it's like, I, you know, it was shorter than a week because we skipped no time from series one to series two. And we talked about it then that technically Constantine, I feel like he runs into Eve a week later, if then. And it's like, how are you OK? How are you not wincing? I mean, and Constantine ends up was in the third episode that he's mm-hmm. in Carolyn's place. So they pick and choose who gets to suffer from their injuries when it's relevant or not to the plot. Lord, maybe he's like, I don't know. Maybe his body was doing that like Imagine, like, you know how some people, they induce labor, but it's not real labor. They call it, like, Braxton Hicks. But, like, what if there's, like, a heart attack version of that? Are you suggesting that Constantine faked his heart attack? Oh, no, no. His body went through the whole motions like it was actually happening, but there was no, like, there was no baby. Like, where you can have, like, a quote-unquote hysterical pregnancy, where it's more of, like, a benign tumor than actual baby? Oh, no. I mean, like, let's say you're actually pregnant, but you think the baby's coming out now, but it's not. It's just... Your body was... But that's wild. <laughs> how does your... How... So I guess I'm lost at what medical so, anomaly you're trying to suggest here it, for Constantine. You know how, like, heart attacks and panic attacks are not the same? They're definitely not the same. Right. So I'm thinking that his body just went through some motions that it didn't need to, but for the correct reasons. So, like, he went down, 
But if it would have been, yeah, a genuine heart attack, he would have definitely needed those compressions. And maybe one of the reasons, or I don't know if, it, if some juju, some some praying ancestor, I don't know what, laid hands on his soul spirit and was like, no, we're going to keep you going for some reason because karma is <laughs> working for him for some reason. Lord. I mean, congratulations, I guess. You, you hit the ancestral lottery because they got your back. They got your front. I don't know about all that. I, I, have to, <laughs> I have to default to Killing Eve science because there's no sense to be made of it. Killing Eve science does what they want with science when they see fit. So who really knows how quickly will Constantine get out of the hospital? Will they discharge him or will he leave on his own accord? Is he Stuff safe like that to matters. leave or is, he, is it better if he stays? I mean, unfortunately, the hospital that he's in, unless Killing Eve is doing what Killing Eve does, he's in Scotland. <laughs> Unless Kindling Eve, you does can't make that assumption though. But right. you can't make that assumption. He maybe he's in Scotland. You made that assumption for Nico, and where was Nico in England? So right. right. Mm. But also, why does it matter? Uh, it would play more and more musings that I have in regards to both Dasha and Constantine. But we're not there yet. So let's let's try to I guess itemize or at least try to get into some structure and begin where we always begin. Which is the correction segment. It's the correction segment. Wow, did we totally fuck that up? Did we? I mean, I hope not. Did, did, I did, we, did we? Yeah. And this is why we have snack episodes. Well, folks, because I was too scared to look on the internet for new information, <laughs> mm. I will have to stand by all of my jaunt on the last episode and... But what about the no murders? You literally predicted murders right along with me, and there were none. Uh, I definitely said before the episode that there would have been no Mo, and I got Mo. That was a correction of a snack episode. I'm talking about big murders. We both predicted that this episode we would have a big substantial murder. We said either Dasha or Constantine or them both. Neither of them hoes are dead. Oh, that so is I, So you true. do have a correction. That is true. So uh, the prediction that was made this episode was that we would have gotten a major murder. And, you know, we got in were a few close calls, but no major murder. The names on the docket were Dasha and Constantine. But instead we got Mo off screen. I told you Mo was Mo a red shirt. So. off screen. But Mo didn't have to be a red shirt. Mo could have just been yes, alive. Yes, he did. He was always going to be a red shirt. He, he was just, always going to be a red shirt. He could have just been out. Always. So that's your own correction, a sub-correction. But not me. I said Mo was going to be out the paint for this season. He lived longer episodes than I anticipated, but I always knew Mo Jafari was not returning for series four because none of the MI6 employees return the following series. And so this is going to be the first time they decide to keep someone over. No way. The only person who was the exception was Kenny. And Kenny's dead. <laughs> so, well, so it's a wrap. Carolyn is always trading in her department for new house. And that's probably better for the kind of bad shit that goes down on a Carolyn Martin's mission. That if people knew what was going on, they probably would be like, could I get a different assignment? No, I know you just said I was supposed to be under <laughs> Carolyn Martin's <laughs> in her desk. But her last five people, they're dead. And that one guy sued. So I just, I don't think that this is a good fit. And look at him and his jaunt saying to Eve, hey, I just went through all Excuse me, case did files. you subscribe jaunt to Hugo? Delete it, sir. To Hugo? Well, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the one that's dead. I'm talking about Mo. Mo's jaunt. Oh, you're back to Mo? I thought Mo's we were jaunt. just talking about Kenny. Okay, to let's Eve. return to Mo. Let's return to Mo. Was essentially, hey, so I just looked at your every future file and I don't know, shouldn't you have like some sort of protection? And look at him walking around. I got the you know what information on the you know who. 
with no protection. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that an agent needs protection for doing their investigations without a prior reason, because even just for paperwork, you have to submit to your boss why you think you need extra protection, that there was some sort of threat against you. But I do think, like I said in the recap, that as an agent, he should have had skills that maybe could have helped him. (laughs) I can tell that someone's following behind me who maybe shouldn't. I have maybe a piece of hand-to-hand combat. But because we not see, we did not see what Rayanne did, we don't know if he even fought back or stood a chance and she, whatever. We don't know. We don't even know what kind of kill this bitch is. So again, I don't know why they did that. Maybe they were like, not enough time or we're going to do it in the season finale. But then it's like, why are you doing everything in the season finale? Why? There's barely enough time. So we finally get to see how Rayanne's going to kill. Because I assume she's going to kill somebody in this episode. So it's like, is she going to kill and not Villanelle? And if she does, can we see it? Because, wow, what's going on? Well. Time will tell. Well, that was my gauchery and correction. Cool, cool. Uh, One correction I had was that I mentioned that I thought there was a hand scanner at Helene's place. From the photos and things we saw, but it just looks like it's maybe a hand mold. Unattractive, because I didn't like it. I should have known, really, that Killing Eve Science does not have the people or the research to know what kind of hand scanners are actually being employed in tech companies around the world. But that's not what it was. It's somebody's artistic idea of how to push open a grand door and I kind of hate it. It looked like it belonged in Bicentennial Man and I don't know why, but it just did. The aesthetic was like Bicentennial Man, late 90s. I don't know, but that's that's what it was. It wasn't a scanner. It was a push here. But then I'm like, what if your hands are bigger? What then? Are we discriminating against hand sizes? Because the lady in red looked like she had petite hands. So what do you do when a taller person with a bigger hand, do they they don't just get to feel the mold? Or is that the point? That you shouldn't try to put your hand in here unless it was made for you. And then maybe that's the lady in red's hand in particular. Maybe someone took the mold of her hand and was like, well, this is just for you. And everyone else will feel out of place because this is not their door. Maybe no one else is allowed to push the door open. Rayanne didn't push the door. (laughs) Maybe it's just Ellen's door. Maybe after episode eight, we'll get the BTS where they're like, oh, so we decided to sculpt the set from scratch. I mean, well, they'll they'll do it. They're very... I mean, the set designers, they take a lot of pride in their work, but I do have to admit that the BTS about the shop in Barcelona, when they were like, oh, we got in all these spices and the tiles and the things. And I was like, but nobody noticed that. Like, I know you guys worked really hard, but truly, truly, I don't think anyone noticed that spice bottle that is eight rows back. And you're like, no, it has to look authentic. So that's interesting to me. What departments choose to spend their money on or what's allotted where? Because I'm like, could we just have taken 20 grand of that and given it to a stunt double and get a Rayanne scene? Could we have just, or Lady in Red, just literally just stunts, not just production design but stunts uh, if i could just get that for series four that would be great let's get some stunts let's give some bitches some work for sandra oh and jordy comer and of course fiona shaw can they all have stunt people so that we definitely know that they're doing hand-to-hand or something exciting in series four it's an early wish you know what i would like to see some hand-to-hand or like you were saying before a few weeks back about actual like acrobat themed things when Dasha was early in the pain and responsible for things. And it's like, well. Again, if they had done Aaron Peel right, then I would say someone there is concerned about certain aspects of continuity and stuff. I just doubt it. Because you need a certain type of nerd. Like, you can't just expect people to know these things. Because, of course, people got different specialities, different things they like. And so it's, I don't, I wouldn't just expect someone in the room to be like, you know, gymnastics had a, a very specific changeover for the 70s and styles and things. But it takes an extra personality. It takes like a Stanley Kubrick or maybe even a James Cameron to a certain extent where you're just so neurotic 
about what's happening that you're like, no, no, we need to have all the details of the details inside the details yes. for this. Obviously, that's me if I'm ever working on something, <laughs> but I also think that's probably ridiculous. I'm like, I would be the research equivalent of Sandra O oh with her scripts, where they're like, Candace, right. we just, like, we're looking to make a character like Aaron. Okay, can you give us just a little backstory, just a little something we could work with, a framework, and here's me with my dissertation. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, this is 170 pages, but, you know, feel, feel free to thumb through. I actually made a separate <laughs> Cliff Notes packet for you just to make it easier to digest, but, yeah. I go overboard. Oh, right. Oh, right. Was there anything else that we were going to add into this uh, in this section? Yeah. Just a couple things I saw on the interwebs. That's an atypical correction. It's based off something I saw on the Twitter. Got about 500 likes, and I vastly disagree. And while the sentiment is hilarious, I just needed to point something out for other reasons. And the tweet says, if Oksana is a bottom and Dark Eve is a top, then isn't that the most likely scenario for sex in the finale? Which, sex in the finale? You know what, clown makeup, clown makeup contour, sure. We're getting Villeneuve's sex in the finale. But the tweet underneath it said, Oksana seduced her teacher when she was 17 and fucked her in her own house while her husband was at work. Um. We know that Oksana was 17. Like, how did we get here? I'm so confused. Someone has to do the timeline because the way they set up the photos and the way they say Vilano went to jail, I'm just lost in the sauce at how old she's supposed to be. I thought it was between the ages of like 14 to 16. Right. And then the statements from Dasha doesn't help because with the bee stings, like, I just... Right, that doesn't help either. It doesn't really play into it. But... I really brought it up to say that Oksana was a minor. Minors can't seduce adults. <laughs> Maybe <Okay>. you wanted <laughs> the sex between Anna and Oksana to be somewhere on a mutual playing field where there was, I don't know, a reason to justify an Anna going after an Oksana. But no, Anna going after Oksana was hot garbage. She had no right to do that. There was a blatant difference in power and authority and consent like you can't no matter what a 14 year old says i want to do no you don't want to do that and you definitely don't want to do that with me absolutely not but even so like there has to be some level of responsibility and accountability so one's a minor one's an adult Thank the you. adult is responsible for the behavior well they're saying that she was arrested at 2011 so the tweet saying that she was 17 when the arrest happened could be factual but when the arrest happened, it's not but the same year. that's not when year. the seduction happened. Right, exactly. That's not the same year. And we also don't, and I mean, began. and it doesn't say, or Killing Eve hasn't specified. We had ideas because we thought she went to the school from some family situation, but they decided to add the whole burnt orphanage and all this stuff. And I'm like, if that's the case, why wasn't it on the file that Eve got? Right. It also says she was put into a, a juvenile delinquency place from 2001 to 2006. So that would be when she's... Eight to... Uh... 13, 14. So theoretically, if she goes to Anna's after the juvenile delinquency, she is very much a minor. <laughs> yes. And didn't they also indicate in the Anna episode that they were carrying on a sexual relationship for a while prior to her chopping the husband's knob off because she just kind of wanted to expedite the guy going away? I mean, when you look at the stacks and the countless letters, there's no way to say that. Uh, oh, but that's from when she was in jail. Most of those were from when she was in jail, according to Anna, and she kept them. 
and Villanelle was writing to her. So I'm sure she wrote some while she was in school and stuff, but the, I'm pretty sure the bulk of those were jail letters. <laughs> and then like Dear she said beloved. to Eve that they stopped coming, and that's how she presumed and knew, of course, after Constantine visited, that Villanelle was dead. But yeah, I could see how that would definitely... Well, even if you're looking at it from a grooming process as most predators do that yes it may look a little more innocent when they are 12 or 13 but it doesn't mean that the intent is not to get them in a position to do other things as they i guess you know learn what they should and should not be expecting from you as you know behaviors as your it seemed to me that she knew anna for at least two to three years with how Anna was talking about everyone stepped back, I stepped forward. Because how do you refer to a child as a child unless you perceive a child? Which is how she was speaking to Eve mm -hmm. about it. So if Villanelle was jaunting through there at 16 and she was only there for a year before she was turned up by Anna, she would still be a minor, actually. And it still wouldn't be her doing the seduction because right. ultimately adults exercise self-control and ethics. <laughs> ethics. Yeah. Well, that was that quick correction anyways I saw on the timeline. I'm like, you, a child cannot seduce. That's that's not what we have going on. Well, that was an interesting thing to notice. I, I was too scared to try to jump I mean, I like the, the sentiment that Oksana's a bottom and Eve is a top because it really harkens back to what I've been saying about how Villanelle is with Eve specifically. It was just that in particular of someone using it as, an, as, a, as a reason to say, well, she could still top Eve because she seduced her teacher. And it's like, well... First of all, it's Anna. Really? Anna shot herself. And whether or not you want to argue about her trying to do that to save Villanelle from doing it or to hurt Villanelle by doing it in front of her, that's open to interpretation. Unless, of course, we ask Phoebe Waller-Bridge and she has a very specific reason why she did it. Like, Anna and Eve are very different. And if there's one thing that Anna definitely doesn't have that Eve has to quote Killing Eve is the darkness. <laughs> the darkness. I believe that Anna had a, a full head of hair and she was hot. And given what we've learned all this season about Villanelle's mom and her need for attention, affection, love, whether she wants to admit it or not, it is deep-seated. It has created a complex. And so more than likely, that is where the Anna thing comes from. From her own admission of, I leaned into this, everyone went back, I went forward to Villanelle's inappropriate correlations that she was making, like we saw in this past episode with her and the lady in red. She's like, oh, you're complimenting me? Or you want to be nice to me? Surely right, you want you me. Seducing me? Right. And it's like, Oh, no. <laughs> that shouldn't be the thing we always jump to. And this other correction I had was also something I saw on Twitter. And it was a tweet that I saw that said, losing my mind at how differently Eve reacted to her first kill versus her second attempted kill. And the fact that she did the second one out of choice rather than necessity. And so it has a, a frame of Eve's face after she axed Raymond and then her after he crushed Asha. But what bothered me about this was like, that is not Eve's first attempted kill. It's not. It's Villanelle. It's literally her girl who was her first attempted murder. Episode eight. And if you guys Seriously. look back and watch that scene, <laughs> the excitement and glee Thank at you. which Eve stabs Villanelle and gives her all that energy when Villanelle is looking at her like a cocky little thing. You can't. And Eve is like, I can. I can. <laughs> and she's like, take this. And then the look on her face then. She is happy. She's excited. She's proven she could do it. And then she mounts Villanelle and she does like a little jiggle. She does more than what Dasha did with the pitchfork. She's like moving it around. That's why Villanelle was so injured. And it's literally not until, much like the cop siren, she's taken out of her, I'm committing murder in real time reverie for Villanelle to be like, I really liked you. She's like, oh yeah, I stabbed you. I, I stabbed the person I also went to bang. Oops. Oops. Okay, let right. me, um, <laughs> let me, let me. Okay, just don't take it out. And of course, Eve takes it out. But I still say that saved Nico. That saved Nico because she was like, what I'm not going to do. <laughs> 
is pull out this fucking pitchfork. So just a quick correction to remind people that Eve's first attempted murder is Villanelle and the way she reacted to it organically right after she did it up until she realized, oh, wait, is this what I really want? Was glee, was enjoyment, was satisfaction. So we actually saw that with Eve already because the difference is, like Jamie says, choices. It's all about choices, Eve. When Eve has chosen to take a bitch out, even if she goes back 10 seconds later, she's like, oh my God, what did I just do? (laughs) For the first five to 10 seconds, she's like, I am loving every single bit of Mm -hmm. this because what I want to do. And that's why Villanelle played herself with Raymond. And that's always been my argument since the ruin scene is that she worked too hard. She was too used to manipulating and potentially that's because she's been manipulated in a certain way most of her life by a lot of people that she's like, well, this is how you get stuff you want. It's how you get it done. Who cares? That, and hopefully she sees that now that you didn't have to manipulate a bitch. You just had to provide a situation in which Eve could make the decision herself. By taking it away from her, you take away her fun because that's half the fun for Eve Blastry is deciding to go to the darkness. So yeah, that was that. I just wanted to remind everyone listening um, in the fandom that Eve's first attempted murder is on her girlfriend in series one. And she she enjoyed it. She enjoyed it a lot. And that's why in series two, she was like, I keep thinking about it too. Like every day, every day I think about it all the time. Because I shocked myself. I was really shocked at me because what I felt in that moment, those tinglys, that awakening, um, I haven't forgotten it. I haven't forgotten it. And I'm disturbed at myself, Philanelle. I am disturbed. Moments after she escaped that flat, she was sitting, minding her business, just just kind of poking herself. (laughs) Well, poke is so tame for what she was doing. It was stab. Which is why the woman at the bar was like, oh, are you in distress, ma'am? Do you need help? Because this looks really, really bad. I mean, she was creating mini blood clots. And kudos to the costume and makeup team because it looked real. Like I was like, there's no way Sandra was really stabbing her hand like this. But it looks like she has really done the work. Which anyone who would have seen a vision of her doing that would be like, I think I should maybe call somebody. Because the woman's <laughs> sitting next to me and she's not, she's... She's got about like 15 marks in her hand and she's pressing really hard. It's sometimes she's breaking blood and I'm I'm scared. Oof. Now these Rona times, if you, you're breaking blood, I don't need to be anywhere near you. That too. Well, actually, I have one last correction here from the internet. And it comes from the Killing Eve recap article they posted recently entitled Killing Eve Recap, Mo Assassin's Mo Problem. And I, I take offense. <laughs> I see what you did there. And I, I don't take offense. I'm like, I take oh, offense. Corny puns. That's kind of my thing a little bit. So <laughs> the correction that needs to happen with this article literally happens in the first sentence. And I just, I guess, you know, people can get paid to write stuff for things. And they don't, fact checking, like, I mean, it's, it's not necessary. And so the first sentence is like, there's a moment early on in this week's Killing Eve where Elena pulls Villanelle into a savage embrace and says, do you know why I love you, Villanelle? <laughs> Did they say Elena? Because yes, that yes. is my fantasy. It's and not. That I mean, it is happen. your fantasy, but it's not <laughs> happening ever. That, but that yes, they happen. did say Elena. And I'm like, how big of a gauchery? Like, surely, surely you saw the IMDb page or someone gave you a booklet or a pamphlet that says Camille Coutin, well-known yes. French actress who is on other stuff, as we have learned after the fact. She's playing Hélène. With two accents. <laughs> Accent going in opposite directions on each E. Yes. But you somehow came up with Elena. Elena. I ended up, I basically was talking to this article when I read it. And I was so annoyed by the mistakes. Because Elena appears over and over and over. Oh it's not just one time. They reference Elena multiple times. And it's it's rude. Also, Savage Embrace. I was like, Savage? Well, that's the way to look at it. That's, I mean, I... 
not in a review. If you were telling me that you were one of the people that got like early things and you would have said something like that, I would have been jumping for joy. And then if I would have saw the episode and then there was no Kirby Howell Baptiste, we would have had problems. We we would have had problems because how do you get a screener Kirby, and then you over here talking about some Elena and there's no Kirby. So I would have been like, well, was there another actor that took over a role? Well, because... Helen and Elena are very, they're different. They're different. They're so different. They both forged their own agency, so I would never want to have anyone misuse or confuse one for the other. So let's, you know, let's be a little tighter on the ball there. And yet, you know, we have seen some ridiculous uh, articles come out, but uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's try to rein it in if we can. I mean, At least someone in the comments had the same annoyance and they have, the character's name is Elaine, not Elena. But it's such an egregious thing. I'm just like, how, we already have an Elena. Like, how do you fuck up this badly writing an article, bro? I mean, that's how usually people could just tell that someone, they may be into writing, but they're definitely not into whatever they're writing about. So it's like, it would help us if someone was maybe a half interested in the content that was making this uh, piece post wherever it was i mean but you know get your bag secure it whatever i guess i guess that's the that's i guess yeah i feel like that wraps up my corrections which really weren't mine outside of the hand scan thing it was stuff i saw on the internet that was like i feel like someone should say something about that and i did and now i'm done okay since corrections has wrapped we are going to take a peek at some revelations killing eve revelations <laughs> yo did that really just fucking happen <laughs> i'm dead all right yo i'll go first with a quick revelation here there's not much to say except that if you guys weren't aware laura neal co-wrote the finale it seems that she has her hands on the finale script and we already have been screaming in Lara We Trust. We have enjoyed everything she's put out. We have. This season. So that makes me even more excited for the finale. That Laura has her touches. And so we're, get, we're getting something good. We're definitely getting something outrageous. I am to the point where I really believe 100% that there is some ridiculous scene that they shot entirely inside to avoid spoilers on a green, on a stage, whatever. And they have not shown us any scenes. And part of that is clownery because I feel like they have to do it to not have a complete fuck up for the finale because they've already released too many things where it's like, if you released photos from every scene in right? the fucking episode, major mistake. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that someone somewhere is like, no, 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 we got to fake them out. We got to troll them some more. So let's have them think that this is happening. And then here's this scene no one's expecting. Boom. At the end of the show, like last five minutes or something like that. That definitely would explain a lot of that green screen stuff that we were getting from before, like the promo art, those posters, those first posters. I was going through it. Well, I don't know if it explains it, but <laughs> it's something. To me, the major issue from the teasers is the clothes. The fact that Villanelle has on a red leather jacket that we've not really seen so far. And of course, the two red dresses going with the red thread of fate. So I'm more curious as to see if there's going to be a complete divergence from what other 
creators have done in the first two series, which is say we're going to reference a major scene in the series with these photos that we're taking. And so it's kind of where we are. It's kind of where we are. For series one, it made a lot of sense. Eve's fucking khaki jacket and whatever is what she's in when she meets Villanelle for the first time. And as Phoebe Waller-Bridge said, this is a love story. Series two is episode five is very substantial because they go from chasing each other down and missing each other to being in each other's space every day and it mm -hmm. has a different energy and so they could just abandon it all together in series three i just i don't know why that makes sense even if you go with the red thread of fate thing it seems a little ubiquitous to just rely on that alone as your primary reason for putting them in red and so at this point i'm still holding on to the fact that they will appear in red and i already said it feels like complete clownery just because we've not seen anything of it but at the same time i want to hope and beg that someone at killing eve knows what withholding is <laughs> hype surprise so yeah that's well, it that and nice. laura we trust and laura we trust and that is gonna be the energy that we will definitely maintain i will be reading from uh jody comer interview that she did with the toronto sun just as the beautiful monster episode has aired okay and i found the first question and it reads uh, Jody, there are a lot of layers to Villanelle. How has your view of her changed from series one to now? And her response. I think Villanelle's come to the realization that she isn't as invincible as she thinks she is. Oh, this accent. This is where we are. <laughs> why? You know what? I already know why. Let the me just be quiet. I, right. You the know sun. it doesn't take the sun for you to be on your foolishness with your All accents. Right. All right. Go ahead. Or at least isn't getting true happiness from the things she once thought were making of her. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, this this season... is exactly what happened when we were talking about Free Guy. Just this... call me Molotov. <laughs> <laughs> this season shows a very vulnerable side, which is unlike anything we've seen from her before. <laughs> I need to. Uh, let me. You need to, but you're not I going know, to. I, I'm going to try. That's my suspicion. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. try. Hmm. Uh, the next question. This season, we've gotten more into Villanelle's backstory. How much of her past and her upbringing has come as a surprise to you? Her response: All of it. I think showing her mother was a very daring move. Some people may say the more we know of Villanelle, the less mysterious she is. However, playing her, I find. The more we unearth, the more surprises we find. Next question. I think one of the reasons Killing Eve has been such a success has been its ability to surprise fans. We've seen that several times in Series 3. What do you make of the recent twist that saw Villanelle killing a mother? Response. I think it was the only way she knew how to deal with that situation. It was what she had always been taught to resort to. What is most surprising about that kill is her demeanor when facing the act. Next question. Villanelle has had some creative kills. Which one has been your over-the-top favorite? That's a good question. Her response? I'm going to say the hairpin in episode one. Nice. All right. That actually nice. is the best one because that bitch crawled out of a suitcase. And to this day, it was so extra and so unnecessary. But she was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fold like a pretzel and climb out <laughs> and kill this motherfucker. I would agree. That's probably outside of Bill, just for the sheer ferociousness, for inventiveness. Right. The the DIY uh, right. hairpin. The hairpin is cool. Only because I hope and wish still that they will return Villanelle to her inventiveness. And unlike we saw in this series, show her doing it. Like, show her doing something that explains why she's such a great assassin. This is my macaroni for my undercover outfit. <laughs> Craft. Crafting. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm, like she said, I'm going to say happen. 
And then she said, it was my very first kill when playing her. And it's so iconic. That's right. Very iconic. And then next question. We saw Villanelle dressing up as Elton John on a recent episode, which he praised on Twitter. What was that like? In her response, that wasn't scripted, actually. I remember getting the set and seeing all the memorabilia and putting on the wig. I ran up to Shannon Murphy, our director, and said, there is no way Villanelle wouldn't play around with this stuff. Dressing up in disguises is what she does best. So we used it in the take. So I'm, I'm assuming that it was like one of those, I'll do a take for you, you do a take for me. And then they used oh, hers. Oh, yeah, I feel like she mentioned this so, in some other article we covered where she said that she just sort of like grabbed it because it felt like it needed to happen. Which is great because right. she knows her character best, ultimately. It's a great suggestion. And next question. What do you think Villanelle's best trait is? Her response. Her confidence. <laughs> what? Her confidence. Oh, well, uh, that trait is that trait uh, is gone. I just I mean, because we're in episode seven. That's the only reason why me right, it's, thinking it's about her confidence is confidence. like <laughs> she, she's not even confidently able to murk Dasha. And we Lord, that is where we are Lord. as Villanelle fans. She says, I really admire her confidence. Also, I think she can be very honest. She's not scared to say how it is. Next question. No one wants to even think about an end to killing Eve, but can Villanelle get a happy ending? No. Does she deserve oh, sorry. one? Sorry. Um, well, well, okay. Her response. I'm not sure I see a true happy ending for Villanelle because I think her own worst enemy is herself. And we all know that's impossible to get away from. And that wraps up this article. And that was... Uh, wow. Wow. That is a response. That was a doozy. But I think if anyone can get Villanelle out of her way, it would be Villanelle. So I, I would like to see that growth from her. Right. I mean, because what the fuck is this season for? Like, I would like to see so Villanelle like, come to terms with... What is the season for if it's not for growth? Because it's suggesting that you just completely revert Villanelle after the writers took all this time, while at the same time taking away time from Eve's development to then be like, well, you know, well, she's going to go back to what she was doing. Like, if there's a redemption arc of some kind happening, doesn't she deserve a little bit of happiness? A little bit. S series four. A couple's mandated therapy, and you, you give her a ball, and she's bouncing it on on of like the wall, a la Jessica Lord. Jones. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, I, I have my own dreams of 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 Villanelle and her growth, but you know, we we will see what is incorporated, and then what I may need to just release into the winds. But uh, yes, that was the uh, Toronto Sun interview with Jodie Comer. Cool. Oh. Right. Um, this revelation is just a short revelation that we already mentioned in the recap, which has to do with the fake band that Taylor Swift created to create the cover song that appeared over the title sequence, which reappeared for the second time this series on this past episode. And so I'm sure most of you guys who frequent the internet are already aware of this because Taylor herself tweeted about it that same night, which is how I guess the conversation started happening for people like, oh, is this a cover band? What was this happening? And then saw some tweets about people saying, oh, I remember when she was in the studio at this time and this other person was with her and we we're wondering why the person's there. So ultimately, I just wanted to point out Taylor Swift's apparent misandry against whoever this guy is who ultimately still has purview over her catalog. That is very, very much misandry to go through the extreme and ridiculous extra effort of making a cover band, getting your brother or whomstever to sing on it. You have a fun name, you do the cover art and all the things, and it's literally just to make sure a dude doesn't get paid. I think that's great. It's petty, 
It's petty and it's smart and it's full of misandry. <laughs> so I just wanted to point it out. I'm not someone who follows what Taylor Swift is doing. Not really my my, my lane. Right. For I'm... my age or really. But yeah, the cover band Jack Leopard and the Dolphin Club covered the song, Look What You Made Me Do. And it looks like Austin, who I think is her brother, is the vocalist on it. That might be wrong, but hopefully it's not. <laughs> yeah, so this, siblings yeah. that plan together with pettiness exceed at extraordinary pettiness because me by myself, I'm pretty petty. But when you unite me and my siblings, the petty, it's out of control, let alone if we're in the same place. So I just feel like the energy, the misandry energy in that room, as they plotted however many months ago of what they were going to do and like this is going to be the penultimate episode of Killing Eve that I'm going to slyly create this tweet <laughs> that my fans will be able to figure out in five minutes. But yeah, good for her. Good for Taylor. All right. And this next revelation is, oh, an article from Den of Geek. Um, And it's actually... I wasn't expecting this article to be as tasty as it was, but it's basically a breakdown of the entire series. It's called Killing Eve Season 3, The 12 Explained. So when you have a title like that, you going to explain like, the 12 see, when right, they haven't right. explained the 12 themselves. Hey, hey, hey. Just right. questions. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So How do you solve I was a like, problem hope, like the 12? Right. I was like, let's hope that this is just like a uh, standum that is like uh, crossbreeding fact from the novels into the series. Oh, I see. And then okay. seeing how we could just put things together in that way. But I just feel like the show isn't even going off the books. Every time a listener sends us in something about the books to be like, well, maybe this means this. I'm like, but that's also mad different <laughs> from what Can they're doing write? in the show. Are they sourcing the books still? Or <gasps> are we, we like the final season of Game of Thrones where they're like, bitch, we are doing our own thing entirely. No, now you're going to read... You're going to revive the exploding dildo in this finale? I don't have any point of reference for what you just said about an exploding a dildo. A listener told us that there was a... Oh, I think I blocked it. I blocked it. I did. I remember now. I blocked that out. Well, I've heard some things and read some things about the things, the kinks in the, the books. And, well, I'll just say that I could probably leave some of those behind. <laughs> I could probably Yikes. stand not to know about them. Well, I read some things about farting and I don't know. I don't know. Flatulence isn't normally like something that um, excites me. Oh, I got so. yeah. I got yeah. It's like two girls, one cup. No, thanks. That was a moment in history. And I don't know if any of, well, some don't, might. Don't. Some might. Oh, I, some might, but I wasn't even going to repeat it. So whoever is listening who might not doesn't Google because I don't want to be responsible <laughs> for their trauma <laughs> the way I was obligated. To be traumatized so many years ago. So when asked, who are the 12? Ostensibly, the 12, also known as Dozen Incorporated. I was like, well, okay. All right. Whatever. Are the quote unquote big bad of a series filled with characters who do bad things. As Eve describes it to her bitter pill pals, they're called the 12. And they've infiltrated governments and organizations all over the world. We don't know what their end game is, but we do know they've been responsible for a significant number of inter international murders. Right. And I'm like, well, well, all right. Sounds like exposition from the first season. Works. Okay. The 12 chiefly communicate with their assassins by sending postcards, revealing the location of the next hit. But see, even phrases like chiefly, I can't. 
one of the ways in which the 12 communicates with some of their assassins is through a postcard because we have only seen Villanelle. Right. Like, we have not seen Rianne get a postcard with right. Moe's fucking bath bomb. Like, something to be like, well, this is what you're doing, going to London, gotta go kill Agent Mo Jafari. So I don't know, but that's one of those things where people just assume shit. They just assume that's what it is, and I don't know that I am there with my assumptions for the 12, yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, the next question, who works for the 12? The answer to this question hasn't always been clear. With some people working for the 12 and not knowing it, some people working for the 12 but doing their own thing on the side, and others just simply not revealing who they are or aren't working for either way. In series one, we are introduced to the 12 broadly as Villanelle's bosses, though she initially doesn't even realize that she is working for them. In series one, Villanelle's handler was Constantine. In series two, it was Raymond. In series three, it has been Dasha. This means that we can count Villanelle, Constantine, Raymond, and Dasha as employees of the 12, though it doesn't seem like any of them are at the organization's highest level. In series three, we meet Helen, who seems to have more power in the organization than anyone we've met before. She is the person who tells Villanelle she has successfully reached the role of keeper. In theory, this means she will stop murdering people and start doing well managerial stuff, but so far that hasn't been the case. Much to Villanelle's frustration. Could Helen be one of the 12 higher-ups. Are there 12 higher-ups? <laughs> Sergey, aka Charles Kruger, was the 12's accountant before he was killed by Villanelle earlier this season. Before he died, he confided in Constantine that someone had stolen 6 million euro, 6 million euro from the 12's accounts. The series has strongly hinted that this person is Constantine. I'm not going to say that who is looking to get out of the 12 business altogether by making a break for it to Cuba. But who knows? Everyone is shady on this show and no one ever confirms what they have or have not done, except Villanelle. She'll own up to anything, including killing her own mother. Except to Helen when she told her instead that she took a giant shit in her shoe. Uh, in the past, especially in series one, killing Eve implied that Carolyn might be part of the 12, this has never been confirmed, and in the past two seasons, the series has leaned away from this implication a bit, but it has always remained a possibility. Mm. Who is the panda? The panda is a character first introduced in series one, the victim of one of Villanelle's kills. He was a Chinese intelligence officer who has been tracking the 12 double agent, Frank Halliton. Oh yeah, Frank. <laughs> Frank was being paid from an account in the Cayman Islands, which went dormant after Frank's death until Kenny discovered it was active again prior to his death in Series 3. Three sums of money in the last two months totaling just over 6 million euros were transferred to an account in Geneva. It seems like someone is stealing from the 12, and that theft has spurred a lot of action in Series 3. So who stole the Geneva money? Sergey the accountant. <laughs> the accountant is at least a little bit suspicious, telling Constantine that he'd rather have the money than the person responsible. That kind of sounds like something you'd say if you used the money to pay off something like personal gambling debts. You need fast cash to replenish the coffers, and you're hoping no one. Ooh. You need fast cash to replenish the coffers, and you're hoping no one will look too hard, or at least you'll be able to skip town before they do. We also suspect Constantine, since he's certainly been known to run his own off-the-books operations, as it were. But the fact that he was surprised that Villanelle killed the accountant throws something of a wrench into that theory. And he does seem to have the money to retire to Cuba. 
though we would assume that his life of crime has paid pretty well. It's entirely possible that there's some other player out there we haven't met yet. Finally, someone else from earlier in the show might come back in the same way that the panda did to play a much bigger part than we had realized, even if it's posthumously. Say, one of Villanelle's old kills having a mistress or a daughter who's been listening in and decided to take up the business in the power vacuum as payback. Oh, we, we are getting... <laughs> we are getting... I mean, I've I've... I mean, people have relatives, so, I mean, hey. They do. Why did the 12 kill Sergei? Sergei the accountant's death is suspicious for a few reasons. First, why did the 12 want him killed? Eve suspected the 12 wanted him dead because they figured out she and Carolyn were investigating him. However, the timeline for Villanelle's postcard when Eve got on Sergei's trail doesn't line up. The 12 had already set this kill in motion before Eve and Carolyn, so if they know the cover was blown, it would have... It would have had to have been from Kenny kicking up dust. Could it also have been that someone else already knew about the stolen money and killing Sergey was a way to tie up loose ends? Second, if the 12 wanted him dead, why didn't Constantine know? Constantine had just been to his house and was still trying to solve the missing money issue. He looked shocked when Villanelle said she killed an accountant. Is, Constance, is Constantine afraid that the 12 is cleaning house and he's next? His late Series 3 actions certainly seem to suggest this. And finally, when Carolyn pulled over and coaxed and when Carolyn pulled over and coaxed Sergey into the car, she commented on his truly ghastly appearance. The man had sickly mm. blue-gray appearance of someone who had been poisoned, which could be a reference to Russia's poisoning of a double agent Sergey Skripal. Skripal. Sergey Skripal. Uh, his daughter Yulia in the UK in 2019 for giving MI6 secrets from his time in Russian military intelligence. Later, Sergei's wife is killed by Villanelle. Was it Constantine acting alone who ordered the hit? He certainly <sighs> knew where she was and he knew that she had a potentially incriminating email from Sergei that could have implicated whoever stole the Geneva money. This brings us to a larger question. What is Constantine's relationship to the 12? <laughs> well, it's a complicated <laughs> one. That's one thing we definitely do know. At this point, no one really seems to know what Constantine says. The accountant called him for help. He certainly seemed to think he's both in with the 12, but separate enough that he doesn't, he won't immediately go to the higher ups to report the theft. Carolyn is still on good enough terms with him, although that's not entirely shocking since their relationship through, though mired in mutual suspicion, seems to extend beyond concerned over who employs them at any given time. That being said, they're not so close he won't use Carolyn's daughter to bug her home or that Carolyn won't threaten to hurt Constantine should he not answer her questions about Kenny. However, when Villanelle first saw Constantine in, series, in episode two, she asked how he knew that she was back working for the 12. And Constantine said, because I never stopped working for them or caring about you. Villanelle countered, you're full of shit, to which Constantine replied with a roguish, can't it be both? Mm -hmm. On the one hand, there's no reason to think Constantine is lying about working for the 12 again. And I suppose never quitting and running double, double secret probation is just as likely as anything. Though at this point, whether Constantine is lying about that particular part is neither here nor there. But what's really strange is that Constantine seems surprised by Villanelle's admission that she's just killed an accountant. If he was working for the 12 and that was the hit they sent her to London for, wouldn't he know? 
are we perhaps seeing the limits of Constantine's managerial level, which we know is below Keeper, or is he perhaps on the outs after what went down in Rome? And <laughs> and this last bit here just goes into Kenny and who killed him. And well, but we don't have yeah, any right. info. Well, let right. me just let you finish up <laughs> this whole theory, right? Giant theory of who knows <laughs> uh and this is who kills kenny currently a dream team composed of eve carolyn mi6 uh i guess minus mo you know sorry and uh bitter pill blog employees jamie and bear are working to trying uh to figure out why the 12 killed kenny which they presumably did it seems likely that kenny's death was ordered by the 12 because even though he was no longer working with his mother at MI6, he was continuing to look into the organization during his time at Bitter Pill. As to who actually committed the murder, that remains to be seen. The obvious guess is... Wow, that sound? <laughs> Only because made? they say the obvious guess is Villanelle. And I'm like... For who killed Kenny? Right. But the it's not. Obvious, we Villanelle has done it. the least amount of murders. God. This series like she was not murdering when we found her and kenny was dead she was with maria right she was spending her money right and giving her o's right she was doing the o's part and she was marrying into the funds versus doing jobs for funds right the obvious guess is villanelle and it isn't a bad one she is one of the 12's best assassins however it seems unlikely if only because villanelle didn't know that eve was still alive at this point and if she were tailing kenny to find the best time and way to murder him then she probably would have noticed eve when carolyn found when carolyn finds out that kenny was in contact with constantine she fears it might have been her old friend and lover who threw kenny from the rooftop constantine tells her that kenny contacted him to ask if constantine was his father given that constantine doesn't know the answer <laughs> to that question line. it seems and why unlikely. don't you constantine you didn't grab a, a hair from kenny all these years not a single hair not a fiber not a cell i mean all right fine sure it seems unlikely that he would have murdered his maybe son. Why would he do that? He's buzzing, cousin. Oh, God. <laughs> so who's left? Uh, one of the 12's many assassins, of course. Or could have been another group altogether? There is still the mystery of the missing money to consider. We know Kenny was looking into the 12's finances before he died. Could he have discovered? Uh, and then, uh, that's, that sentence is gone. Would you, so, you know what? Neither here nor there. <sighs> Twelve of what? Like, what are we counting here? People? Governments? Corporations? I've usually assumed... Governments? We don't got 12 governments that can have that shit together like that. Thank you. <laughs> Let alone uh, sharing with other governments. Corporations? With, uh, now, maybe women. No. Women uh, could right. work together, but I feel like the dudes running stuff in these likely 12 countries, nah, they're not working together. The NYPD can't even work with the State Department. They I just... agree with women. I feel like they're all pulling their mother, their money in like a giant susu, and they just take turns picking targets that they all help finance. That's how I picture it, and it's like, depending on how many that hands you got in the That seems too chaotic. I, I mean, need somebody with a big brain with a master plan. You know how people always freak out about the Illuminati. What are they uh, up to? It's just something that it makes sense. Like, this is ultimately my plan to leave the planet on this spaceship I'm building mm -hmm. while this other stuff happens. So I hope the 12 is that jaunty in terms of what are y'all doing? But I've already said that this series, in my mind, even though we've learned more about the 12 and the Lady in Red is very impressive, the 12 has been the least intimidating it's ever been to me. I really put a lot of expectation on what Raymond said about the 12, 
And <laughs> this whole season so far, I'm trying to figure out why anyone should listen to the 12. Because Villanelle has disobeyed, underachieved, done the wrong thing so many times that I just cannot parse it with what Raymond said. With what right. Raymond did right. when he choked her out as if, hey, follow the rules or else. And so there are my theories, of course, about the Lady Bread, reading the dossier and having, you know, some sapphic intuition about how to deal with Villanelle. But at the same time, she's not the only person in the 12. I'm going to kill everything you care about. My dying words to these beautiful women who are hacking me up with an axe. going to kill you everything. Who's that supposed to be? Raymond. Oh, well. Raymond with He didn't the say axe. he was. He said oh. they. Oh, yeah. They, the 12, will rip you apart bit by bit. Everything you love. And so that was a very ominous threat. It was delivered well by that actor who embodied creepy Raymond very well. And mm. so I'm just sort of annoyed that there's been no payoff. And if there's a payoff for the 12, it's in the final episode. And for what? Because whatever happens in the final episode is definitely going to upend whatever's happening with the 12 because we fully expect for Carolyn to go onto some side thing. Whether she's in the 12 or not, she's definitely going to be stepping away way from what she's been normally doing to go into perhaps a more aggressive playbook of how she wants to dismantle the 12 but i yeah i don't i don't you read all that and i'm just like whatever <laughs> whatever could we get a death so i can take the 12 seriously mm. wow see that was about to redig the one death we did get kenny uh it, it was a it was a six million dollar kenny lookalike that got thrown over the building. that's too that is too <laughs> far-fetched so. And he took the rest of the money that he didn't spend that he stole. And he flew himself to Cuba or mm -mm, wherever. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But yes, that was um that was Den of Geek, which I enjoyed reading. It got jauntier as it went on. It was a lot. It it was fun. It was a lot. I found it a bit enraging, but I'm so glad it you found moments, it fun. I, it was moments. I wasn't having fun. Because I'm like, there's so many questions and not enough answers. All right. So my next revelation is just a little article I saw on Harper's Bazaar. And it has to do with the fact that the Spanish apartment that Villanelle is currently in, or I mean, she hasn't been back for a minute, but technically it's supposed to be hers. Right. It is hers. You're right. It's available I'm, for rent on Airbnb. I mean, there might be a little blood in the bathtub, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Sir, it's fiction. <laughs> this is Airbnb. If there's blood in the bathtub don't in your spot where you get the Airbnb, what? No, not only do you get a refund, you can have a lawsuit potentially because oh, other people's blood touching you is not something that should happen. So when it is safe to travel or if you're already in the area and you would like to, you know, jaunt in a giant castle-like structure. That's OD. It's an apartment. <laughs> I mean, but it's... Okay. But it's... But, but it's, so it's, it's an apartment. Right. It's not a castle. But, but we're used to New York apartments. <laughs> But even so, there's different types of New York apartments. There's brownstones. Oh, yeah, there's true. basements. There's other stuff. And so this, to me, is not... Like, once you're in a proper castle, you can't confuse that Barcelona apartment as a castle because it's just not. Number one, the ceilings. Like, the ceilings were tall, but castle ceilings, they make no sense. And I'm always like, how do you test? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can never live in a castle. But yeah, you guys can just simply Google it. And it's not booking, obviously, until after the COVID drama passes in some real way. And we know that Spain is going through it right now with all the numbers and things that are happening there. But yeah, it's, it's there. I wonder how much it cost. And let's be uh, kind to the neighbors. Don't just open up that beautiful uh, double door and sorry, start singing. Sorry, I delete what Terrence <laughs> says. If you pay to go to this Airbnb because you are a killing E-fan, you are obligated to throw up in the windows and go, oh, oh. 
do it for Jody uh, and the show. So no, don't listen to what Terrence just said. You pay your money, do, do it. it for do TikTok. it. If you're paying your money, do it. <laughs> wow, this staircase is really this, cool. Mm. See, the ceilings and stuff are beautiful, but it's just not tall enough to give the castle vibe. Like you Got gotta it. feel like you can do the Cirque du Soleil in your castle. It's just a really jaunty apartment. Like it's. <laughs> See, I don't know if I could give it jaunty. It's a little too the vibe. Like jaunt is something specific. This is not jaunt for me. It's something else. Not sure what it is. But if I had to give it a, a vibe for music, Bossa Nova. It does not give me jaunt. Okay. There's a okay. lot of plants. There's a lot of greenery. The architecture is very particular to the area. All right, so it looks like this room is only 234 pounds a night, which is actually pretty fucking cheap for a place this large. And the cleaning fee says... Like, it looks great. This is something that I would... Cleaning fee is 45 pounds. we're doing something with, like, people that you know love Killing Eve, like, you know it's not going to just be you. Like, make, you can make a trip of it so it'd be you and three of your friends. For this amount, y'all could definitely just do a week easy. Yeah, you can have four guests, it says, for two bedrooms, two beds, one bath. A week easy, and then, you know, eat locally, shop. What? Have the time of your life safely if, if, if you know, COVID is gone and stuff, or at least managed. But, yeah, no, have the time of your life. Look for the nearest bowling alley. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely not. If you're spending money to go to this apartment, do a lot of the fun stuff in the apartment. Like, yeah, go out and see Spain if you haven't. Or Barcelona, if you haven't. But uh, no, you don't. You don't Airbnb to places like that to spend the majority of your time outside. Why do that when you could just Airbnb someplace else and spend the majority of your time outside and have additional money to spend there? You go to a place like this architect's flat or whatever because you want to enjoy a certain type of experience. I you want to that. luxuriate in the bath with your partner, and I don't know, they're a wild party. Do illegal um, things. I don't know, but you don't do it outside. No, you don't pay right. to go there and then say, you know what I, I need to do? Leave. Let's go sit <laughs> in the cafe. You no, know, you're like, can we order in? The cafe is this terrace. And that is where we are going to eat our food today. I'm going to work on my novel. So I'm going to be upstairs. <laughs> actually, this is a perfect novel writing place. Right. This is actually, and since like they're Killing E fans, maybe fan fiction, like someone. Mm -hmm. But I don't know who has that kind of money to burn just to be like, I'm going to go to Barcelona to be inspired for my next fanfic in person because that's what I would call commitment. Yes. But yeah, guys, so you can check that out. Hit it with a quick Google if you've not seen it already. It does look amazing. Harper Bazaar. They've I, got I the keep details. trying to say it's like I'm not, it's not majestic, but it, no, it's not to majestic. me, it's, hum, it's humongous. That's why I said Bossa Nova, <laughs> right. because it gives me very specific architecture vibes. And I believe it's from the turn of the 20th century. Like it says 1906, I thought it said. But yeah, so cool. Well, that's going to be on my maybe calendar. Well, more than maybe. But it just really all depends on how we all respond to this uh, pandemic. 